Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombus donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombus.com/acast code acast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods. For fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands, they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and three hundred and sixty-five day returns. Hello and welcome to the Thistle Rugby Podcast, the only rugby podcast that cares about Scottish rugby. How are you guys doing? I am David, and to my right there is Matt. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I've got my my Rex Club cap on, and it's it's fitting like a glove. Feeling good in it. Yeah, it's looking great as well. And Alan, to my left, you got the cap on backwards, looking quite bad actually. That's just how I roll, <laughs> <laughs> and I look bad to be fair. So. <laughs> It is covering up that haircut that is required. In my ladies, shocking. <laughs> Thanks again for joining us.、Um, we missed out on a pod after the Canada match, but we are back to wallow in the misery of the defeat to the USA and look forward to hopefully the resounding triumph. Of victory against Argentina. You're joining us on iTunes, on Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You have been chatting to us as always, loads on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod. Our Instagram is blowing up with memes at Thistle Understroke Rugby Understroke Pod, and the mailbag has gone back to receiving zero emails at <laughs> the Thistle Rugby at Gmail dot com. So please get in touch. Some sweet memes though. I'm quite happy with the memes. Yeah, it's good, good content. Yeah, if you are interested in memes,、um, get involved. And you've been leaving us some reviews on iTunes. Please do get on there. Give us a five star rating and a review, and hit subscribe to keep up in touch with us. Now, these ones were offered a prize: a free WKD and a shout out from our very own Alan Little.、Um, so, thank you very much to the winner. I think the first one was Hereford Scottish. Which said five stars, slightly better than the other one. I'm not sure who he's talking about. It is <laughs> three posh lads whose main insight comes from going to school with a few of the Edinburgh players. That is very fair. Their knowledge and understanding is not that much better than a reasonably informed fan. But where they can, where, but where else can you hear people talk about Scottish rugby without being patronised? 
insulted or having to put up with the worst jingles or sound quality you could possibly imagine. So essentially what you're saying is you're not very good, but you're all we've got. Exactly. <laughs> where where can said fan redeem his blue WKD? Uh it's kind of like late in the month and quite poor, so it might be a tropical VS, I think. The tropical VS. <laughs> well, well, we'll certainly get that to you at some stage. Maybe th- maybe during the November test we can arrange that. Email us your address and I'll do a, a delivery from Iceland <laughs> of tropical VSs to your address. How can you say no? Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, please do keep those reviews and uh, ratings coming in. And as I say, hit subscribe and you will get us in your feed whenever we record. Usually once a week, but sometimes not. Um, Because we've had a couple of weeks off, there is a huge amount of news to get through, so we're going to skip over that. We're then going to look back at the USA game with a little bit of Canada, and then, as I say, look forward to the Argentina match. Why don't we kick things off today with um, the news that Tenants, uh, Tenants Lager, has extended its sponsorship agreement um, with the SRU, um, a seven-figure sum is being dangled there, and um, they're adding title sponsorship for the Premiership and the National League starting in the coming season. Yeah, and I think Stuart Hogg's got a few words for us on that. Oh, thanks, Stuart. How are you doing, Stuart Hogg here? It's great to see Tenants extend their partnership with Scottish Rugby from the grassroots right to the very top. So we appreciate your support, and uh, long may it continue. Thank you. Wow, thanks, Stuart. Has anyone else got any views on that? Stuart McAnally here. It's great to see that Tennis have extended their partnership with Scottish Rugby all the way through from grassroots to the top level. Thanks for your support. Wow. Wowzers. Amazing they, to get they are delighted. It is amazing to get such candid insight from two of the uh, <laughs> two of the, the, the pro game's yeah. uh, biggest names. Just straight off the top of their head. Real real raters, those guys. It's amazing <laughs> that they knew that it was from the grassroots right up to the very top <laughs> independently. That's incredible. Incredible stuff. Well, that is, I think, mean, good news. More money flowing into Scottish rugby. It's, yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, decent. And I love the I love the fact that they're like, what players are actually left in Scotland? Yeah, Ash, Harley, <laughs> Hoyland, get in the pub with a pint of tenants and get this on social media. They went to the main brewery. What a great day out! That is class. Yeah, to be fair. met that the head brewer. A great day out. Usually, we would stick around and talk a wee bit more about tenants, but there's a lot of news to get through. Yeah. So, oh, okay. shall we skip on? Sorry, Alan. <laughs> Other more rugby-related news. The Champions Cup draw for next season has been done. Glasgow um, have drawn um, Saracens, Lyon and Cardiff. Edinburgh returning to the Championship have drawn Montpellier, Newcastle and Toulon. Any initial thoughts on those, lads? I mean, Glasgow's group isn't too bad, really. Obviously, Saracens is going to be a difficult one, but I don't think Saracens are as strong as maybe two seasons ago. I know they won the Premiership, but they've sort of been a bit... Um, you know, susceptible to, to a few losses. They're not as consistent year. as they were. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and Leon, yeah, good, good team, reached semifinals of the top 14, but still not, you wouldn't think of them as a powerhouse and Cardiff are definitely beatable. So, pretty, pretty good result, really. Uh, yeah, out of all those groups, that is definitely one of the better ones. Yeah. And Glasgow have to be aiming for a runners-up spot. Definitely. And what about Edinburgh? That is looking pretty tricky. Two massive French teams and a resurgent Newcastle. Yeah, it's it's tough. But once again, it's not the worst possible outcome. I think that someone like Toulon don't travel well. And you could probably say the same about Montpellier as well. And then Newcastle... You never know. That's definitely a team that you should be aiming to beat at home and possibly away. So I think it could be a lot worse. Big Vern yeah. back at Murrayfield. Yeah, good to welcome him back. 
So imagine Darcy Graham defending against uh, Julian <laughs> Sevilla. Oh, uh, yeah. No, Duhan Big Duhan could take him Julian, on. That's Duhan's the biggest clash that. in Europe. That's huge. Clash of Titans. Um, we're going to talk an awful lot more about that in a little bit of a season preview next week as a sort of end of season wrap up and a look ahead. So we will get into that. Just wetting the whistle. Just wetting the whistle with that sort of just little in bit true, of insight true tenant that, we do, style. that we do for you. Yeah, true tenant style. Oh, grassroots right the way up to the top. Um, <laughs> point number three. Danny got? Wilson becomes the new Scotland forwards coach. Former Cardiff Blues head coach was on his way to Wasps, but we've bought him out of that contract. What do you guys think? Yeah, well, he's done a pretty good job, a really good job at Cardiff, considering at the start of the season, they there weren't great expectations. He's got them back into the Champions Cup yep. and won the Challenge Cup. So by all accounts, I don't know that much about him, but he seems to be a pretty good coach. So I think it's, it's a good appointment. How long has he been at Cardiff Blues for? Do you not know? Because he was the Wales under-20s coach as well when they, I think they had a third and a fourth or a second and a third in the under-20s World Cup. So he's got good pedigree mm. of running like an age group side yeah, at a high level. Of Successful course. teams. Yeah. And Dai Young, I think in his comments about Wasp, was like, this could not have come at a worse time for us. He's like, there's not that many good people in the market. He was really sad. He was like, but obviously we support Danny, but he was clearly completely you, you gutted. Dickhead. So I take that as a very good sign. Um, we'll see how that one plays out. I expect that probably ushers in the early end of Dan McFarlane's contract. He'll head off to Ulster. Yeah. Presumably they will have to pay the SRU out the end of his contract though. Yes, but then SRU are going to have to pay Wasp compensation for Danny Wilson by all accounts. Good Boom. point, Matt. Very good. That is why you're here. Okay, on to some signings, probably the biggest of them all. After much intrigue and rumour and Edinburgh saying we are not signing any more back rows, Luke Hamilton, the back row, has joined Edinburgh on a one-year deal. I mean, it's, it's a bit of a funny one because he's only signed for one year, on a one-year deal, as you say. So maybe there's an element of he literally had no other offers but the SU wanted to keep him playing, so you keep him in Scotland and then maybe put him in the shop window a bit and then he can go to another club. Feels like he's just covered for Barkley. Yeah, that's yeah. what I think. He's just uh, yeah. the injury to John Barkley's happened and they needed somebody of that sort of calibre to come in. Yeah. Because they've also signed Fijian back row Senatiki Nealo on a two year deal from London Irish. Yeah, I think it was quite interesting the way they described it. They were like, there's kind of two different types of risk. There's like player risk and then there's like financial risk. And obviously financial risk is when you spend a lot of money on a player on the hopes it'll come good. Whereas player risk is when you just get someone in pretty cheap. It's a massive risk, but if it comes off, great. If not, whatever, you've lost like what? Probably 40 grand a year. So he was saying it's very much a player risk scenario. So Mm. I imagine they cannot be paying him that much money. So Glasgow at the end of the one year deal? Possibly. They need back rows more than him. But I think we're going to get on to a little bit more Luke Hamilton when we look back at the USA game. Interesting, at the Edinburgh Supporters Club event, Cockrell said that they are still looking for a nine. And if the right nine comes to the market, they will go for him. And he didn't rule out the possibility of a Glasgow nine. Ooh. Interesting. Very interesting. But that might be him just chucking in a few. The Maybe. Glasgow stuff might be him just needed chucking though. in a few. Needed. Maybe Aaron Smith. There was all the stuff about August, <laughs> Augustine Pulu getting floated. Yeah, I'd like Pulu. I think we just made that up between ourselves. Probably. But it, is being, be great. it is famously being floated, though. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> we will keep an eye on that. A couple other signings. Um, Robbie Nairn and Bruce Flockhart have signed one-year pro deals with Glasgow. And uh, Glasgow legend Richie Vernon has signed for London Scottish as he is on his way to sort of transitioning out into a career in financial services, which seems like a good win for both parties. Sounds great. Very good. Um, what else we got? Oh God, there's been so much going on. Edinburgh have got a new principal sponsor um, called Principal and Prosper. <laughs> yeah, it really confused me for a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> that was really good um, broadcasting. And we also got a bit of a sneak peek at the new kit with a little bit of burnt orange through the training kit. What do you guys make of it? Alan, I know that you've got some strong opinions well, why on Why don't this. you give me your view on their principal principal sponsor? My view on their principal principal and prosper sponsor is that it's good for them to have a sponsor away from the Scotland sponsor of BT Sport. Because that BT Sport deal is with the SRU and that is continuing. So to get anything on top of that is more money in the coffers of Edinburgh and Scottish rugby. So I think that is broadly a positive. I agree agree with that. I think it doesn't... Retrain from the fact. Retrain? Retrain? Retrain. I don't know what I'm saying. Oh, word. <laughs> it, it doesn't refrain from the fact that obviously BT did not care about the Edinburgh deal. <laughs> and also the fact that a three office, small Scotland based IFA can afford the front of shirt deal for a professional rugby team. It makes me think that brands do not value. Edinburgh rugby particularly highly, well, which maybe is true, and that is uh, that's just a fact. But I just can't imagine they're spending; they, they can't have spent that much money on it. Yeah, I mean, even for you, that is quite a negative take, isn't well, it? You know what? Maybe we should have seen it coming. I mean, they literally have a steak restaurant on their ass. Like that is true. <laughs> that is, like they have a steak restaurant on their ass. So it's obviously just the value of the Edinburgh brand and that kit and the reach you get from it, it just isn't that great. What, is, what did you guys make of the first look at the kit? <laughs> Swiftly moving on. Swiftly, Swiftly moving, moving on. Away. Thank um, you. Yeah, it looked okay. It looked a bit like one of the old Scotland training kits. With yeah. sort of You substitute the, the orange for a bit of the kind of red trim. Yeah. But I think it was kind of a simple kit that I think if you look back at Edinburgh's kits, you would never, like, you rarely buy a piece thinking, I'm going to wear that a lot. to the gym or like at what? all at all you're not wearing it <laughs> what you're not wearing Edinburgh well I'd wear gym. this new stuff wear it to work mate <laughs> that like camo weird camo kit they had that yeah. was awful and it just looks like a pretty sort of plain standard kit that I liked fairly it fairly stylish I thought it was decent and we will wait to see the official announcement I did see somewhere that merchandise for Edinburgh is going to be available as of tomorrow so I'm not sure if tomorrow is a big unveil of the Ooh. home shirt um, we will keep an eye on that. Number six on my news points. This is a long old list. Um, <laughs> agenda three, the SRU's plan for overhauling the domestic game. They have published a fairly lengthy document, which doesn't say very much on it today. Matt, you had a look at lunchtime. Anything you want to add? Um, it, yeah, it didn't really say that much. I think it, it was quite interesting in a way, just sort of um, how they're, they're reorganizing the regional structure of the leagues and they're appointing... Of, the, of Scotland, sort of Scottish rugby, and they're appointing task forces to each region to sort of develop the game yeah. in those kind of places. It all sounded fairly sensible, um, but I don't. There was nothing in it that made me get massively worried or massively 
excited. Um, it seems as if they're calling for more consultations and more yeah. discussions. So, I well, we will keep out of it. We will keep an eye on that, and we'll come back to you when more becomes clear. Right. Finally, on news, and it's been a ba- some bad press for the SRU. Finn Russell's dad, Keith Russell, has won an employment tribunal for unfair dismissal against the SRU. And this has set in train a series of events um, where questions have been raised about the nature of the senior management and the executive board of the SRU and the dictatorial um, nature of Mark Dodson as the chief executive. Alan, give us some thoughts on this. Well, we were sort of chatting about it before. I think you've got to split it into sort of two separate buckets one being what is factual which is essentially the dismissal of keith russell and the story of behind that and what's happened and then seconds kind of the rumor or essentially the views of a person who's been dismissed absolutely of the, of the su culture. within the facts we also have to put the the words of the judge within the tribunal which sort of yeah did draw some questions over the um yeah. The, the nature of the dismissal. But should we start with the facts? Let's start with the facts. That was a fact. Right. Russell's dad joined in 2015. Yeah. <laughs> That's <right>. a fact. <laughs> this is good. Is this going uh, to take long? Dodson asked... This is generally what it is. Dodson asked Keith Russell to write a presentation. Dodson didn't think it was any good, mainly because of differing fonts within the presentation. You're, you're joking. I'm not joking. That is literally the worst Where thing. Where did you get that from? Inside source in the SOU, mate. Like an actual good source? Yeah. D- there was differing fonts within the presentation. <laughs> uh, wow. D- Dodson therefore had to do some work. Basically didn't think Russell was competent in his job. They had a meeting where Dodson sent him a meeting with no subject line. Yeah, I did hear that. And then said he wanted him to move on. And he said, I can write you a check right now. Yeah. And Keith Russell was like, nah, I quite like my job. <laughs> so anyway, four, four, four months later... They then put in another meeting, in the, a meeting into his diary with no subject line with the HR business partner, who the day before knew Keith Russell was getting fired and was sending him like banter emails, which I think is just like that's that is yeah. like cold. That yeah. If you're sending someone an email that actually has the word "lol" in it, which she did, and she knew he was getting fired, that who's, is who has ever sent it internal work email using <laughs> lol or an emoji that some people do what is what is wrong with the world and then they all sat so that keith russell walked in and it was dodson head of legal and hr business partner and he's like oh, shit. <laughs> oh my god and dodson opened the meeting by saying it's not good news <laughs> yeah oh my lord and then basically he was like you're not doing very well you're not doing very well but we can give you quite a lot of cash. And Russell was like, can you give me an example of what, what I'm not doing well? Mm. And Dodson was like, nah. <laughs> Get not, over it. Do you not talk sh- about the fonts? Yeah. <laughs> there was an increasingly amount of differing fonts and yeah. misalignment of text oh across God. your presentation. And then they just shut him out of all these computers and then asked him to leave. And within half an hour or something. Within half an hour. And then didn't pay him his three months, no- his three months notice period. Wow. Which supposedly is a tactic a lot of people use to try and get people to take like a compensation package and then mm-hmm. sign an NDA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But obviously he didn't yeah. and then took it to tribunal and that's yeah. why this has all come that's out. That's why it's all come mm-hmm. out. Because stuff like this has supposedly happened five or six times before, but everyone's yeah. always taken the deal. Yeah, signing the NDA. 
Okay. Interesting. And Good now, facts. And now it's all come out. So those are the facts. And then um, Russell gave an interview to Sunday Times and the offside line sort of saying, yeah. this is all what has happened. And basically calling into question the executive board of the SRU, who have since responded <laughs> and have launched an inquiry into the behavior of the board and the nature yes. of the dismissal, which will be overseen by a member of the board. By the head, by the head of legal, is it not? Yeah. It's Le- a non, it's a non-exec, is it non, non-exec that's looking at this, yes. heading up but the... It, um, yeah, but it is someone who is involved all... in pretty much the day-to-day of the SRU. So, so, although I think I did see today that they have appointed a new non-exec member to the board, which maybe sort of panic to show that they're actually above board in terms of corporate governance. I don't, I don't really know. No, I agree. And then do you see, obviously, obviously the CEO and Flockhart, who's the chairman? I think so. Had the interview with Tom English and BTC, yes. which I felt came across really badly. Like, Dodson was so aggressive. Yeah. I didn't think he was. I just no. think... I think when there's an investigation still going on, going on, a review into what's happened, you can only say so much. I think he's just covering himself legally. I didn't think it was that prickly. Should we go through Keith Russell's accusations and then sort of have a discussion around them? Yes, Yeah, please. go on. Accusation number one, Mark Dodson is dictatorial. 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 <laughs> dictatorial. Dictatorial. <laughs> Dictatorial, okay. Which is not new news for anyone, really. And that's not uncommon amongst leaders of large organizations. Correct. Fine. Cool. Accusation number two. still on people's toes, but fine. SOU doesn't care about the club game. I think that's a pretty blanket statement. I think that maybe Dodson and the other people who've been in the top, I can't think of other people in that same vein, but have been it's like very Don, Don Mackay. Yeah, exactly. Have been yeah, Don Mackay. Have been very focused on the professional game. And yes. the commercial side of the SRU. Yes, exactly. Which and the commercial side is driven entirely by the pro teams and the national team. Yeah. So I don't think that's an unfair accusation. It kind of feels that the SOU was so far behind the other unions when Dodson came in six, seven years ago, that almost you needed that sort of character to just pull this kind of professional side of Scottish rugby forward and be like, and drag them into the 21st century. And it worked for that part of the business. Mm. It just feels like Dodson isn't the right character to sort out the club game. And if he is dictatorial, it'd be fair enough if he was very good at delegating and he'd say, look, I don't know about that. I can drive the commercial side, but I'm going to hire people who are very good at developing club and youth rugby and whatever. What? Yeah. And like, it's, it's, like Keith Russell, the head of do- well, domestic rugby. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's my point. He's clearly not very good at that. Yeah. And I think that's why you're getting a lot of the criticism that he's received. Is there a third accusation? Um... No. <laughs> okay, so I just... I thought, no, there I just, is. But I, 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 I can't remember off the top of my head. Mm. There was a lot of stuff in there. Yeah. Essentially saying there's quite a toxic culture within the yeah. SOU. But we've always spoken to people in the SOU, and that's not something... It's not something that's, that's come, come across, across in conversations that we've had with people. KPMG did a full it. audit and didn't. And they for some reason, they're allowed to comment on the cultural side of things. See, see this is where... And they, think, they didn't find any problems. Yeah. See, this is where it gets a little bit tricky. And I think you're right in separating it into like the facts of the case versus allegations versus yeah. what's been said. Because 
you know, like what happened to Keith Russell sounds really bad and he's won his false dismissal. Yeah. You know, that's a matter of fact and that sounds like it was handled really, really badly. Yeah. He has then used that as a platform to talk about and make lots and lots of allegations, which I think there's a bit of an axe to grind with lots of people. We do it an awful lot with the SRU. Mm. It has allowed a lot of people to unload on their issues with the SRU. Yeah. Because they can just say, oh, yeah, but look what Keith Russell said. I've had something similar yeah. as well. So I don't, I, I don't really know what the, uh, where the resolution is going to come. Do you though. think this would be an issue at all or it would get? Because it's got a lot of coverage. Yeah. Would it be if it wasn't Finn Russell's dad? Wouldn't, wouldn't get a quarter of the coverage. No. I think yeah. the fact Do you think is, Tom English is doing an article in the BBC? If a on, random joker well, I mean, gets a few, fired. a few people have been fired, like Colin Thompson, who I don't know anything about, but was some sort yeah. of involved with yeah. youth development or club development, and it does know. give him an abnormal platform. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think that that immediately gives a lot more, yeah, the platform and a lot more coverage and and chatter. The, the thing that just really throws me is during that sort of dismissal process. So the genuine sort of facts of the case is how little thought seemed to go in to the fact that you're firing the father of yeah. your most, <laughs> potentially your most important asset. Yeah. You're, you're, you're starting standoff with n- no replacements behind him in any real shape or form. And you're going to f- sack his dad. Yeah. The, and, but the, similar thing happened with England rugby when they sacked Mike Ford. And I was like, oh, what's, what's George Ford going to make of that? I think it's pretty pathetic if you, change you're, you're a professional and your dad should say look this has nothing to do with you I, mark dodson has nothing yeah, to do with finn russell that's, that's fine but do you not think it's a bit, a bit, I, that's I, a bit I, of a I, clinical way of looking at it but it should be that's how if you're a, if you're a decent father that's what you should do i you i think from an su standpoint in terms of like just a player management standpoint yeah either a dismissing him in the correct way or just kind of letting him get on is a much better situation for them than what's ha- than what's obviously happened. And at the end, they, I just think they should try their hardest to keep Finn Russell happy. I know, I know he's not a child, but it's yeah. And I think in the context, if you know Finn Russell's dad had done something really, yeah. really bad and was you know being dismissed for gross negligence or something, yeah, then you know, fair enough. But it does seem as if it's like a bit of a personality clash. Yes. No, I think. But I think to grow the club game, it takes a lot of kind of cross-functional working, you know, decisions by committee, whatever. And that's not how Dodson works. Yeah. And there is part of me that thinks that Dodson's done a great job and he was the exact right person that we needed for the last six years, but he is not the right person to sort out the club game. And whether it's a case of replacing him with someone else or just him delegating i don't know mm. um the one other thing i want to say i know david trying to wrap me up i'm trying, to, ra- me I am back, trying to wrap right? you up <laughs> it's just it just shows this constant clash that there will be between club rugby and professional rugby for sure and the point is that if prof- if the professional rugby teams don't think club rugby is fit for purpose it begs the question is the point of the clubs it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. 
Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. To be a development vehicle for professional rugby? Because I think the clubs would say they're not. Of course they're not. So... They're trying to sort of force a situation, but are actually potentially ru- ruining club. The objectives of professional rugby and objectives of club rugby are going to be different. Yeah, and I don't think anyone knows how to manage that going forward. Was the other accusation not that Dodson and Mackay had asked, "Is there a way to reduce the club count to 50? Yeah, that sounds that would be horrific. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas obviously Keith Russell was wanting to increase it because he wanted yeah. sort of every small town to have a run. As many players as possible. But again, in terms of the SIU being able to deliver the resources to clubs, having 50 with talent concentrated, oh, yeah. especially at junior level, is a much of better course. thing for them. Of course. But anyway, let's let's move on. move on. That was a long discussion. <laughs> Keith Russell. I, do th- I do think it's let's an important issue. Let's count that as one of our... Thistly issues. I do think it is an important issue. Yeah, but and there's a lot of lot coming out of it. So. We will keep an eye on it, and I'm sure we've not heard the last of Keith Russell. Um, right, shall we get into the last couple of weeks? So Scotland have played against Canada, where they won, but we're going to focus much more on the result at the weekend. USA 30, Scotland 29, tries from Blair Kinghorn. A penalty try set up by the Horn brothers. Um, George Turner getting his fourth try on tour and Dougie Fife getting one in the 83rd minute. Conversion from Blair Kinghorn missed and we lost by a point. How did we get there? Alan, you watched the second half. Yeah, I was woken up by the kids having a party next door to me. Woken up by Ian Van Dahl, Castles in the Sky. (laughs) That's a banger to be fair. That's a great alarm clock. And put to sleep by Roxanne. So... (laughs) Not real too bad. Sh- real shift in tone at the party. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, I watched. I watched the second half, and everyone was caught up with the highlights. I obviously joined it when it was twenty-one thirteen. Yes. Although at some point Scotland were up twenty-one six. They were. Um, and the sort of two, the three key things that came out for me, which are, which one is we've talked about basically for the last two years is physicality in the pack, massively underpowered. And even in in the backs, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think so. There was that the US 12 was making yards for fun. So was the US hooker. And a lot of those players just couldn't handle that level of like power. Mm. Um, leadership, I don't think Stuart Hogg's captain. I don't think fullback should be captain. I think you're completely right. I think you can't. Unless you're a big guy. Manage a team well enough from fullback. You don't have as many. You don't have enough touches. You don't have enough interaction to really like yeah. grab a game by the scruff of the neck from fullback. You've got to walk thirty meters to go and have a chat with everyone. Exactly. Like you can't manage a ref from fullback. Yeah, yeah. And I just don't think Hogs up 
captain personality. The I think he's definitely a leader, but I agree. Agree. Cap, yeah. But, I mean, his, lead, his, his leadership was literally on his first run of the day, carving through the American defense and setting up the try. But just being like, the, I can do that. The, the first half was seemed really promising. I, I, what was the, at least on the scoreboard? Why? I, how did it change so much? It, I mean, I think I was asleep. <laughs> <laughs> the The issue was that when the game plan started to dissolve, yeah, there a wasn't the leadership to get it back on track, and potentially, I don't actually think Hastings and Horn had a terrible game, but they just didn't have the ability to stamp their authority on it and and bring that structure back in. I think that's right. And, um, the, and the additional thing was just errors. I think there were errors all over the place. I think we never really got... We got we had parity in the pack in the first half. But, I mean, I don't remember any dominant tackles. I don't remember any particularly big carries. I mean, Matt Ferguson was doing his... Was, was carrying a lot, but he wasn't, you know, really busting that gain line and giving people a target, which I thought was an issue. And America were competing pretty hard at the breakdown. I thought Luke Hamilton didn't have a great game at seven. He wasn't, I didn't really notice him at the breakdown. So he wasn't, I, he wasn't slowing up the ball or stealing ball for me. And then I thought, I agree with you that Horn and Hastings weren't bad. Hastings in particular, I thought showed some really nice touches and Horn is just everywhere. Like that is what he brings to the pip, the pitch. He's got a really fast pass, but he is on the shoulder of any half break, and he's collecting kicks from places that you're just like, well, how the hell's he got back to there? It yeah. just seems that he is all over the place. But I thought their tactical kicking. There was obviously a a message came on to say we need to kick the ball a bit more, and I think that led to some decent kicks, but it also led to some pretty wayward stuff. Hastings kicked the ball away a few times. Horn's box kick, I don't think, is quite there. Yeah. So we were giving away lots of possession and that allowed America to grow into the game and they had that physicality, blunt instruments, their hooker was incredible. Some lax defense around the fringes to keep them in the game. And it was just... And I think on the kicking point, when we did start to kick, McGinty for the US was better. Completely kind of won that battle battle of kicking. Yeah. And once we sort of got into that game, we lost... Heads went, errors started to come, mm. and it just you could feel it. You could feel it coming. Like even when we were sort of when we were twenty one thirteen up, it went to about twenty four, twenty one or yeah. something. And US just had that. The, you know, you know when ga- the flow Momentum. of the game, it was just completely with them. And whilst obviously it was a Matt Ferguson mistake that gave, that gave them the try, that that was coming. It wasn't mm. sort of out of the blue. Um, what do you think about the idea that they will learn more from this game than if they'd won? Depends who you're talking about. Do you think there's some people who will like never play again? <laughs> I don't think we've got the depth to be making that sort of statement. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, I think there is probably something in that hard losses type thing. And it's just like when, they're, when they go back and look at the videos, there's going to be really stupid things like knock-ons and penalties given away that they just didn't have to do. Yeah. But they were doing it because they were trying to force it because they were like, shit, we're either just mm. ahead or we're behind and we're now chasing the game. So I do think for the younger lads, they're learning that in a, in a decent environment. Uh, I still would have preferred the win. I still think, you know, getting a young group of players together and managing, if they'd scrape that win, that's yeah. still a better result than winning by losing to one point. I still think Definitely. the development points are all there. Yeah. You've not played well, but you've managed to find a way to win. 
But I think that's the thing about development, that when you look at the selection and you compare it to somewhere like New Zealand, New Zealand, you know, could have played, you know, the, the an ITM 15 against USA and beat yeah. them. But they would never do that. They would play 12, 11 of their best players, starting players, and then gradually put in debutants and newish players. Yeah. And I just feel it's actually quite unfair on the new guys, like people like Matt Ferguson and George Horn, Adam Hastings, who, you know, in years to come are probably going to be the spine of that team. And just sort of chucking them in at the deep end. And, you know, sure, you sink or swim, but, you, you know, that doesn't normally work. Yeah. You're, you're going to sink. So I think that, and then we're going to talk about it later, but the, the selection against Argentina as well, just there's there's far more questions there than, than we'd expect. And I, I think that, you know, I'm sure Townsend has a plan and has a rationale and everything, but it, it doesn't seem that clear to me. Should we talk about selection for Saturday? Yeah, I thought we were going to do a little quiz in between. We're doing two. a quiz in the middle. Let's do a quiz. I actually do have a quiz for you. Yeah, let's do it. Go on then, do a little quiz, and then we'll get on to the preview of the Argentina yep. game. Okay. Kind of two questions, and then a kind of uh, question that has sort of multiple answers. So, first question. What is the address of Murrayfield? What? <laughs> <laughs> Take a guess, mate. Half uh, point if you get the street right. Oh, Oh my the Lord. reason I know this what is because I looked at the flood defence report oh and my Murrayfield God. put their address down. So it's quite close to my house. Uh, I've got absolutely no idea. The um, mini Murrayfield... This is another question. Yes. Yep. Included, because included in some of the reports that were given out, they gave an, exa- an approximation of how many spectators mini Murrayfield will hold. Mm-hmm. Whoever's closest gets the point. I think I know that to the man or woman. Under 20 World Cup's been going on. Mm-hmm. Back in 2015, Scotland had a pretty good under 20 side, and seven of them are in the squad that's playing in the summer internationals. And okay. that doesn't include Scott Cummings, who that was also, who was also in that under 20 squad. Who are the seven players who were in the 2015 Ooh. Scotland under 20 squad who are now in the full Scotland team? Seven. There is seven. seven. And actually, to make it a little bit easier, I'll tell you, there is two backs and there is five forwards. Two backs, five forwards. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, that's quite hard. Seven people. Yeah, I know. Pretty, pretty good year. That is a really they've also got Andrew Davidson, Ali Miller, Lewis Wynn, um, Rory Hutchison, Patrick Kelly, Robbie Nairn, mm. Archie Russell, Ben Velicott. Pretty, that is a pretty that is including a really the good. seven who are currently in the squad. I bet at the time they didn't do that well, though. <laughs> yeah, I bet they did that. <laughs> right. What is the address for Murrayfield? Ah, <laughs> uh, it's Ro- Roseburn Terrace. I mean, it's not far off. Murrayfield Road. <laughs> it's 102A Roseburn Street. Oh, okay. Can I get a half point for Roseburn? <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> In one of the planning documents, they gave an exact, it was approximately, but they gave an exact number of how many fans they thought they would yeah. have in Mini Murrayfield. What is that number? 7.7K. 
I think it's 8,700. It is 7,876. Ah, yeah, I got boy. It the wrong way round. <laughs> well done, Matt. One, one point. Damn it. Right, you're seven. So we start with the backs. Hanny, I'm coming, I'm coming to you first. What back? 2015. George Horn. George Horn is correct. Dave? Blair Kinghorn. And Blair Kinghorn is the other back. Yeah, Do you Kinghorn. both have them? Yeah. yeah. You, did you have George Horn, Dave? Don't yeah, I did. It is G-Horn. Right, forwards. Dave, what you got? Matt Ferguson? No, no I, think so was, young. I think he was mm. literally Oh, God, no, he's 16. so young, isn't he? <laughs> At Xander Ferguson. Xander Ferguson oh, is correct. That is one. I also had Matt Ferguson, so uh, Bradbury. Bradbury is correct. Yeah. You got anyone else, Dave? Jamie Ritchie. Jamie Ritchie is correct. I had oh, Ritchie as well. Happy about that. Actually, three. Three. Other forwards. Give us some clues. Um, I mean, one started. <laughs> what in what at the weekend? Oh, I mean, the Carmichael. Yeah, Lewis Carmichael. Uh, uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we've got a prop. Murray McCallum. Murray McCallum. Oh, nice, mate. Thanks, man. Did Dave, take that? No. no. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if he's kind, no. but... Uh, yeah, so a little bit of a vintage year. Yeah. That's an unbelievable year. Yeah. I think they might have done... Was that not the year that they... It was 26 England in the Six Nations as well. They did okay, didn't they? I remember McCallum scoring a couple of tries. Anyway, well, should we move on to Very Argentina? good, very, very good. Yes, so the... Scotland squad to play Argentina has been announced. Um, I'm just going to get it up in front of me because it. So it's Dell. You got it. Well, take us through. I'm doing it off the top. Of it my is Dell, McAnally, Bergen, Swinson, and Gilchrist in the second row, and a back row of Magnus Bradbury at six, Fraser Brown at seven, David Denson at eight, and then a backline of George Horn and Adam Hastings nine ten centers Pete Horn and Nick Grigg, and a back three of Blair Kinghorn. Stuart Hogg and Dougie Fife with the bench George Turner, Jamie Batty, Xander Ferguson, Ben Toulis, Jamie Ritchie, Sam Hadagrocline, James Lang, and Chris Harris. Lads, what the fuck is going on with Gregor Townsend's selections this turn? I hate that. I hate that team. Do you hate I, it? I hate that team. I hate. Talk me through everything that you hate about it. The, the front row is fine. I don't understand... It's good to see Dell back. Yeah, the runner is strong, actually. It's really strong. I don't see the point in playing Swinton. I don't see why he was playing six last week either. <laughs> what's, what's the point? We have good strength in second row and flanker. Do you think that's Tooney saying that he thinks Swinton is a stronger option than Ben Toulis? No way. Or is it just, it is a rotation? I thing? think it's rotation. He's just giving him a shot. See what he can do. I think it must be, particularly against Argentina, who are sort of... Famous scrummagers. Yeah, Surely, Tulis is heavier than Swinson. Swinson looks like skinny these days. Seems to have so lost I, weight. I don't know. We're, we're sacrificing a bit of weight in the back row. Clearly, there's a bit of mobility, which I think is what Swinson does bring. But and then, and then staying with the pack, Denton probably the best eight option they've got. Um, happy to see Bradbury there, and I think it would have made sense to play Richie. And I just I don't understand why they're playing Fraser Brown at seven. I think surely you keep you keep him purely as a hooker. Why why sh- you know I shake d- things up? Why well, rock the boat in that manner? I, I don't unless understand. it was a real problem position, which I, I don't think it is. I don't see why we need to sort of prove that Fraser Brown has that versatility. He, we kind of know it. He's going to go to the World Cup, all things equal, as one of the three hookers with 
Rambo and George Turner. And then you think about it, Turner and... I'd say Turner McAnally has played... Could also play in the back row. Sam back row well, until quite recently. McAnally has played much more professional rugby in the back row. McAnally went to back row against New Zealand in the autumn yeah. when yeah. Turner came on. Yeah, it, it, it's just, it is just so strange because I, I, I get it. Fraser Brown can, if worst comes to worst, he's played flanker for Heriots. He can, he can play in that position, but... His skill, his, his skill level, and what he brings to the table are not suited to an international back row. And it's it's positioning Agreed. and it's understanding of the game, which I'd be more worried about rather than his mobility or yeah. you know ability to 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 win turnovers. He's I'm the sure sort, he could do it. He's the sort of player that if there's like a yellow card or an injury, you're just like fine. You can chuck him in the back row. But what what do we learn? I think if the, my question on that pack is, he's talked an awful lot about this being a development tour. If that is a development tour. Why are we playing Swinson in the second row? We kind of know what Swinson offers. Mm. And why the hell are we playing Fraser Brown in the back row? I just think it doesn't teach us anything. Once again, it's unfair on guys like Horn and Hastings who should be playing behind, I think, as strong a pack as possible with a settled, particularly for Horn, with with a settled back row helping you out in terms of managing the game. So, it, you know, it, it could work. Should we have a look further into that, that back line? Matt, you were telling us what you hate about this squad. What do you hate I don't in like, the back line? I don't like the centres at all. I think it would have been a good match to give Lang another shot. I think he looked pretty good against Canada. That, that's where I come back to my point of what is the point of this tour? We've I, seen a little bit of James, James Lang. Is that it? Is, is Townsend made up his mind that he's good enough or, or not, not good, good enough? enough? I don't, I don't understand it. And, and also, I think, actually, for this match, if you want to win it, I would have played Sam Dagoclein. I wouldn't have played George Horn. Do you not think the Pete Horn case is we've got George Horn and Adam Hastings, two inexperienced players, playing against Argentina? I think he's babysitting. Let's bring in that, a cool... That's fair. But that's, that's why I would have played Hidalgo Klein. Yeah, I get that. And why, why not? You've already done Horn and Hastings. They play at Glasgow all the time. Why don't you try out... Hidalgo Klein and Hastings as, as another halfback combination. I kind of feel that Horn and Hastings is, are going to be back up 9 and 10 for the World Cup. I, really? It feels that that's probably what they're aiming towards. Oh, that's pretty risky. I think Hastings is 100%. Yeah, no, be, I, I agree with that. Be back up 10. I would have Hidalgo Klein, I think, ahead of Horn as a more reliable option, personally. Yeah. I mean, if. It, you don't need to go to World Cups with. Like risky game breakers. I just don't think you. Who's do. starting in in your head? Who's starting at nine for Scotland in the World Cup? Laidlaw. Mm. Yes. Mm. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> yes, sir, boy. Um, Nathan Foles. <laughs> Charlie Shield. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my point is, I'm I'm pro. Broadly speaking, I am pro Horn and Hastings being given as much game time and exposure on this tour as possible. You know, that fits with the idea of this being a development tour. But do you think, I mean, one thing and the criticism that I've, I've noticed is that Hastings was kind of hidden quite a lot against the USA. He wasn't always standing at first receiver. He was relieved of all kicking duties. Yeah. Like, do you mm. think, I don't know what that does to the psyche of a player or something like that, but, but, but surely if he's 10, it's... you want to get him developed to understand that he can, he can deliver all of those things at that level. But then it doesn't make sense. In a way, I don't actually mind saying, look, you just focus on controlling the game. You don't yeah. have to kick at goals. 
But then at the same time, you're just chucking him in the deep end with this really rogue green team. I don't understand it. I think my my other my only other complaint with the backs is Nick Grigg. I think we know as much as we need to know about Nick Grigg that he is a, a good club player, but isn't isn't going to be one of your starting thirteens. And I would I would rather have said have seen. Bennett playing there. I would have rather seen Bennett getting a run out as well. Because you know that Bennett at his but best is a better player than Greg. Yeah, that's De- true. Definitely. I agree with that. I think Greg's limited at international Is level. Bennett a sort of a fairly like for like with Hugh Jones, Scotland's starting 13 though? Is he trying to cultivate a different type of outside centre? But they're they're all kind of I would say that Jones and Greg are fairly similar in the way that they're kind of hard running. They're not distributors, I don't think. Yeah. Whereas yeah, I think Jones that Bennett is actually probably better at bringing others into the game. That's what I think. I, mean, I know you don't think that, but that's what I think. I don't think I actually don't think any of them are particularly <laughs> good distributors. I, I actually think if you look at Jones, Jones, Greg, and Bennett are all great runners with the ball. They all they can all yeah. get great lines, yeah. and their defense is okay mm. i don't think any of them are confident at chucking a 20 meter pass under pressure i agree but but i would rather have jones or bennett doing it than greg i think greg is more limited than the other two personally yeah. i yeah. don't think greg brings others into the back line and that's what i'm worried about the saturday when you've your two best players in the whole pitch including argentina are probably hog and kinghorn and i just don't see them getting as, as involved as as much as they should you would like to think that it's Pete, it's Pete Horn making those passes with Greg holding holding the line, yeah, chucking in a set pass. That is true. That right. is what he does love doing. <laughs> to be fair, and I mean, already- the only point I was going to say on Fraser Brown is the only sort of rationale, and I don't think there is, but the only rationale I can see is that they're like, right, we got Denton and Bradbury, and we just want them to be trucking up ball all day long, all day long, and essentially it's like to Fraser Brown. It's like all you're doing is tackling. But that's what Jamie Ritchie could do. I think, yes, but I think Jamie Ritchie is a a little bit more lightweight than Fraser Brown. Possibly. And the Argentina back row is big. And but then B, yeah. Ritchie's a lot taller. Yeah. I, I, look, I, I agree, but in the tight, in defence, I think Fraser Brown's going to give you more than Jamie Ritchie. Fraser Brown. Possibly. Fraser Brown and McAnally are both quite good at getting their heads over the ball. Is he trying to sort of add up to one seven with a couple of hookers? But even then, I just don't understand why he's doing that. He yeah. has a seven on the bench. Tom Buller, man. <laughs> I didn't think he'd do the Tom Buller at Scotland. So what do we what do we think? What are our predictions? I I don't want to be negative. I'm worried. I haven't really seen much of Argentina, but I've heard they've been pretty poor against Wales. They're really um, bad. Their coach is getting sacked. How much are they going to give a fuck, you know, just before their summer holidays? I think maybe Scotland. I, I Scotland have got more to gain, I yeah, would say. I get the sense that actually Argentina sacking their coach could be a good thing because he's lost so many games, they're probably fed up of him. No, they'll just go, right, let's just give it a crack. Let's play it the way we want to. Yeah, Sounds true. like Ledesma is going to be the one that gets the job. He's been doing a good job with the Jaguares. They just say, lads, let's play the way we have been. I, yeah. I think it's a bit of a, a negative. Go on then. So what's your what's your prediction? I, Argentina win by seven. Alan? Uh, I think Argentina will win by 10. 
Oof. Okay. Our friends at Rugby Forecast on Twitter who've got some sort of bot that looks at the last four years <laughs> of results from both teams and chucks it into a Russian sex bot rugby um, machine and comes out with a result are predicting a Scotland win by two. So I'm going to go with the Russian sex bots <laughs> over at uh, Rugby Forecast. I'm going to say a narrow victory Fair for play. Scotland. Fair play. And how about this? Dent Wheezy's first ever Scotland try. <laughs> is, is Dent Wheezy never scored yeah, a Scotland never try? Scored Scotland try. He's famously never scored a Scotland yeah. try. Yeah. Dent Wheezy. Dent Wheezy is going to come in with the winner on Saturday. He's going to be straight through the winner and I'm going to take him out before he can <laughs> score. Slice <laughs> your bets now. You heard it here first. Um, right. Thanks a lot, guys. Um, we will be back next week to chew through whatever happens down in Argentina and also look ahead to uh, next season. I suppose it's going to be our, problem, our last pod before the summer break. Mm. Um, thanks a lot for joining us. Please let us know what you think on iTunes, five stars, and give us reviews and hit subscribe. On Twitter, keep chatting to us at Thistle Rugby Pod. Instagram, Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod if you love rugby niche Scottish rugby memes. And then please let us know what you're thinking on email, thethistlerugby at gmail.com. Thank you very much. I'm out of here. Cheers, guys. See ya. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.